This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined once again. Nice of him to join us live. Wow. Isn't that nice? Okay. Okay. Uh, I see how it is. Well, it's just good to actually talk to you, Brendan. Thank you, Corey. I know you love hearing me and talking to me. Yes, everybody knows that. Um, Yeah, I know. Brendan and I are coming to you on Friday morning. It is September 30th. September is almost over. The baseball season, well, the regular season and the one for the Cubs is almost over. But we're getting a a little bit of uh, some final crumbs of joy, Brendan, and that crumb of joy here for us in late September is watching the 2022 Chicago Cubs sweep the Philadelphia Phillies at beautiful historic Wrigley Field in a series where the Phillies desperately need to win these games. The Cubs finished 21-10 against the NL East this year, Corey. 21-10. That's the best winning percentage ever against the NL East in the Cubs history. So this just means the Cubs uh, deserve, I think, a playoff spot if the Phillies end up getting knocked out. I think the Cubs should just like take that spot. Well, should the Cubs be the NL East champions is, I think, the question Ooh. that we should all be asking. Over the Mets and the Braves? Why not? I I mean, I think I it's think a so. fair question. They were 21-10 and 10 against the NL East. The highest win percentage in franchise history for the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Like, are the Cubs the NL East champions? I think this— I think so. Get Rob Manfred on the phone. Get Theo on the phone in the commissioner's office. And let's take a look at some of these rules. Well, Theo's all about fun, right? So I think, like, you can make the convincing argument, put the Cubs in the playoffs, and there you go. Mm -hmm. More fun. Yeah. There's, like, a uh, kind of, like, in uh, in soccer around the world where if you perform poorly enough, you get relegated. I think it's—that's kind of the angle we're taking here, right? Yeah. If if, if your whole division plays this poorly against— uh, a team that is uh, now not as many games under 500 as they once were, uh, but 16 games under 500 as we record this, you don't win the division. They do. All right, Cubs get a first they, round. There bomb, we go. Know? Yeah, you heard <laughs> it here first. Um, now, yeah. the counter to that, I do want to get your thought on this. The problem with this is that this, not even really indirectly, it directly helps the Milwaukee Brewers. How do we feel about this? Yeah. Yeah, cognitive dissonance at its finest, but I have enough faith that Milwaukee won't do anything in the playoffs that I don't really care about it. But I could be wrong. I could be led astray by the Cubs here. Right. My thing on this is we never want to help the Brewers directly or indirectly. Their season ending with a playoff bid and misery and all of that is what we're all hoping for. That being said, the Cubs scored eight runs in this series. Like... You know, I'm not saying they were trying to help the Phillies out, but it's not like they were, you know, beating them all over the field here, right? So there's not much. What I'm saying is, is there's not really that much the Cubs can do beyond that, right? They scored two runs in two of these games, right? Like at that point, if the Phillies can't win any of these games, it's kind of on them. You know, well, the Cubs starting pitching is so good. You know, arguably the best starting pitching in in the league. So you know. 
yes, we keep <laughs> updating that. It is now uh, three points. I mean, seriously, it's that it's that good. The ERA and like all the numbers, like surprisingly, is among the best in the league in the second oh, half. Oh no, we've talked about that. It is third. Yeah. The rotation ERA is third in Major League Baseball it's since crazy. the All Star break. Three point zero four ERA after the game on Thursday, started by Javier Assad. So the yeah. this starting group just keeps getting it done. And in this series in particular, like this is, you know, no slouch of a lineup. You've got some really good hitters in this Phillies lineup. And, you know, make of this second half for the Cubs what you will. But the, you know, the numbers don't lie. They don't lie. I mean, all hail Tommy Hadovy. This is the product you get when he's in the dugout. So Hadovy, Moscow, Greg Breslow, uh, Jacobson, all those guys are doing this phenomenal work. Right. So we will uh, break down those three games. Brendan will take us into the pitch lab to break down some of the guys that we saw. Maybe want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Nico's back. Saya is back. Ian Happ is, uh, you know, we talked about his defense, I think, a couple weeks ago, and he continues to play really well. The numbers are really good. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Uh, Before we get into this series, though, Brendan, we did hear from Jason Hayward on Thursday. He spoke to the media, kind of just talking about his time as a Cub. Um, You know, we didn't really hear from him when the decision was made by the Cubs. So here he was kind of talking about this. There was a lot going on. He's talking about wanting to play still in the future. Um, He also talked about maybe... um, getting involved in an ownership role in the future with the Cubs specifically, he mentioned. Um, so that was an interesting kind of comment. I, I'm curious mm-hmm. about that. Uh, but then there was also a lot of discussion from him and, and David Ross, of course, uh, about, and I don't know if you are aware of this, Brendan, but when they won the World Series in 2016. 2016, yeah. The, yeah. the Cubs. World Series. Yeah. The World Series, The Chicago right? Cubs yeah. did, okay. yeah. Sure. And, you know, so they talked about, of course, Jason Hayward's speech in the locker room uh, during the rain delay, which we, we've all heard about. It's written in books, and, you know, all the guys talk about it all the time. But still, it was nice to reminisce about that stuff, I think. Uh, one detail that Jason pointed out that obviously caught my eye was that after they won, John Lester got them a bunch of very nice wine that had the telegram that was written by the guy that had the billy goat uh, that wasn't allowed into the, you know, that starts the whole curse of the billy goat, if you believe in any of that. Which is over now, yeah. Right, because the Cubs won the World Series. Won the World Series, correct. Um, But I love... You know, obviously, I found a way to make this uh, discussion of Jason Hayward's press conference today about John Lester, as I'm uh, wont to do. But I love that that's John's move, right? Win the World Series, here's a bunch of wine. I'm leaving the Cubs and signing somewhere else. I'm going to buy Miller Lite for everybody in the city. (laughs) I remember when Adbert Alzali, I can't remember if it was his first outing or his first win or it was some sort of first. He got him a really expensive bottle of uh, alcohol or champagne maybe. Um, I remember Adbert posting it with like John's autograph, like congrats on the first. So I just love that it's, you know, John's default is, did you do something cool? Here's some expensive alcohol, you know? Now, what kind of wine do you think, do you think it is? Maybe like a nice cab or something? Oh, I I don't don't think John's like a, like a Pinot Noir guy. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing cab. 
Uh, that's yeah, a good question. Uh, I know, I, you know, I know he's a light beer man, but I, I would yeah. guess that he has more expensive uh, wine taste than wine he does taste. his beer taste. Well, maybe we can talk to Ryan Herrera, our guy at CHGO, and find out the inside scoop. That might be uh, something worth following up on. How how is he going to get in? Oh, he could ask David Ross. I was going to say I yeah. don't know if he I don't yeah. know if our guy Ryan Herrera has a connection to John Lester. If he does, he's been withholding it from <laughs> we me. Gotta, we got to yeah. keep you away from that. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't know about it. <laughs> yeah. You're like what? Um, but yeah. So I, you know, I don't think that there was a lot um, necessarily. Uh, it, it was very nice to hear. You know, obviously, you and I and I, pretty much everybody had kind of uh, agreed with the decision to move on from Jason Hayward. Uh, a lot of us, I think, maybe thought they waited a bit too long on that, but that's not really the point of this discussion today. But it was good that he had a chance to sort of speak about this, speak to the media, um, and speak to the fans a little bit and get to reminisce about winning the World Series here and about his time here. And I think in particular, one of the things that stuck out to me from Hayward's time speaking today um, was talking about how, you know, this is obviously not like an official goodbye to the fans because right now he's still with the organization, right? Um, and how emotional that'll be and things like that. Um, but I, I did want to read this quote. Jason said, it brings a smile to my face knowing that I had a chance to play in front of these fans. It was really gratifying because good times, bad times, they're still right there waiting for something positive to happen. And we earned the right for them to be right there even more on the edge of their seats. So through all the ups and downs, one of the things that you and I always talked about with Jason was how he handled uh, some of the bad times, as he mentions, Uh, always with class, always with a position of leadership in mind and all of that. And I think it's, you know, I always, I'm a sucker for quotes from guys talking about how great Cub fans are, right? Yeah, no doubt. Well, I think with Hayward too, the the mark he's made on the city beyond just baseball with his charities and his integration within the community is going to be long lasting. And I wouldn't be surprised that once his career is over from the playing side, that he's back within this community in some way. He, of course, he mentioned perhaps being an executive or owner, but I could see him also hanging around the team during spring training, as we see with like Rick Sutcliffe, you know, and Billy Williams in the past, and he could be very well part of this Cubs lore beyond just his playing days. And I think there is value too that everyone you hear talk about Hayward is always in glowing fashion. And there is value to that. Uh, and I think it could help guys, younger guys who may need a voice like Hayward in their ear to help them adapt and get to the next level. So I, I fully expect Hayward to be involved in some capacity. Uh, and I do hope it is with the Cubs. I do think there is value in him long term. Yeah, I I mean, I'm curious if he wants to be a minority owner within the team, you know, like, what's the philosophy on spending money? Jason, let's. I mean, maybe he wants to just take over Tom Ricketts. Like that's, uh, this hey, is like, this I is mean, look, a, I just you know? want to know how are you pro spending money and go pushing over the luxury tax all the time? Um, yeah. Just let us know your feelings on so, that. So, owner Hayward will be spending half a billion dollars every I, year. Hey, it works for me. Um, there you go. Yeah, that's that's the philosophy uh, I want to know. But uh, let's get into this series with the Phillies here. Um, 
2-1 to one, the final on Tuesday in the opening game of this series. Another gem from Marcus Stroman, seven innings, four hits, one run, one walk, six strikeouts. As we've been kind of talking about, Brendan, like for this last good while here, like Stroman's the dude you thought he was when you signed him. Like you can oh, yeah. go look at some of those uh, not so great starts maybe in April in the freezing rain here or I think his first start back from COVID or you know the, the IL you can look at that if you want but the the body of work here for the majority has been exactly as advertised exactly as he's been throughout his career and someone who I am very very excited to watch pitch in 2023. Yeah, and we saw a lot of the same features he's been showcasing recently. Heavy sinker, heavy slider. He's gone back to those two pitch types as he used to throw when he's with New York and even back then in Toronto. So it's a continuation of what we've seen and another step and another reason just to be ultra confident about Stroman. And that signing of 71 mil over three years, in hindsight, I think it will be worth every single penny, even as the deal was made. I personally was surprised it was that inexpensive. When you see guys like uh, uh, Gossman, although he's like an ace-like pitcher, go for nine-digit salaries. Mm-hmm. Stroman having the consistency from year to year to get his starts, to be consistent, to go deep into games is so valuable. And it makes me wonder if he had not gotten COVID and if we didn't have a lockout during last offseason, just how good his numbers might be yeah and it's still good as is this is really encouraging Corey. yeah absolutely uh scoreless innings following him from brandon hughes and manny rodriguez that's manny's third save of the year the cubs getting their nice. runs in this one christopher morell's 15th homer of the year that would not be his last in the series and a jan gomes rbi double Wednesday, the Cubs winning 4-2, to two, that behind another strong start from Hayden Wisniewski, his third win already of the year in his young MLB career, five innings, six hits, one run, two walks, and three strikeouts. So we'll we'll break him down further when we jump out of this. Um, following him, Mark Leiter Jr. gives up a run in an inning and a third. Adbert Alzali, a scoreless inning with two strikeouts. Brandon Hughes, another scoreless inning with three strikeouts. And a scoreless two-thirds of an inning for Manny Rodriguez, his fourth save of the year. The Cubs getting their four runs in this one via a Jan Gomes uh, grounding into a force out. Christopher Morell with his 16th home run of the year. That was of the three-run variety. All of those runs coming in the fifth, and that would be all the Cubs would need. In the finale, two to nothing on Thursday afternoon. Javier Assad picks up his second win of the year. Five innings, five hits, no runs, two walks, three strikeouts. Michael Rucker, a scoreless inning, and Keegan Thompson, three scoreless innings. One hit, two walks, and three strikeouts for Keegan. Keegan picks up his first save. So uh, nice Nice. to see there the Cubs getting these two runs on Thursday via a Patrick Wisdom double and an Ian Happ RBI uh, single. So that's it. Not a lot of runs, but not a lot of runs given up. Uh, As we mentioned, this rotation just continues to do their thing. And I did want to read an interesting note from because this is like something we've we've paid a lot of attention to a good tweet from friend of the podcast Brian Smith at Cub Prospects on Twitter Cubs Prospects guru for Bleacher Nation he said on Thursday all 9 innings pitched 
by the Cubs, and 22 of the offense's 31 at-bats came from homegrown players. He goes on to say, Brian does, that, you know, obviously this year has not gone as we wanted it to, but it did provide uh, the investment in player development that I think we were all looking for. And I, I, I thought that was a good way to sum it up. Um, you know, and even you look at some of these guys that got opportunities in the pen, you see Brandon Hughes out there in a couple games doing good work. His ERA is right around three for a guy that they brought up this season. He's been dazzling. Manny Rodriguez really settling in nicely uh, as he's come back this time, this stint in the MLB, getting the opportunity to get some saves and succeeding in those. And then, of course, you know, the the final game on Thursday, all of these guys, you know, that you developed, Javier Assad, Michael Rucker, and Keegan Thompson, and they pitched a shutout, Brendan. Yeah, like, yeah. I... I know that, you know, you look at like that ERA number in the second half and like you, you look at this roster and all of this and it's, it, we, we, we kind of, I kind of talked about this on uh, Sunday where it's like, you know, you can't just roll this roster over and be like, well, they're playing great in the second half. So what, you know, they're just going to keep winning, right? Like, but this, they have used a lot of this time really productively and it, I think really bodes well more than anything to the depth that this team should have when they do go out and make significant adjustments, that you are able to bring guys up from your system, have them cover all nine innings of a baseball game, and shut out a team that's desperately trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, you look back when they were winning games in the mid-2010s, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, the starting pitching was so top-heavy and stable which was a luxury. No one got injured. Lester was that consistent guy. Arietta, 2015, 2016, 2017, started every fifth day. You're getting starts from Kyle every fifth day. They didn't break. And that's a rarity in this day and age. And it's not something to expect going forward. What this current Cubs team has is a dozen starting pitching candidates for next season. A dozen. Corey. They don't have that top shelf guy right now. Stroman is that consistent, maybe top three guy in your rotation, but they don't have that top shelf guy. But if they get that top shelf guy, they get maybe two pitchers, then you have this enormous depth. And you learned about Adrian Sampson. You learned about Javier Assad. You learned that Killian has to go through these potential adjustment phases. You learned so much about Steele and Thompson and Wisniewski. And you see how the pieces to the puzzle can fit when you supplement this depth, which is now here and projectable to some degree with stable free agent or trade starting pitchers for next season. And I think it should give a lot of people confidence that this team is ready to win the division right now. And this second half and the entire season as a whole was so useful to get that information and to get that confidence that hopefully will allow Jet to go out this offseason to actually add to that group. Yeah. And I, I think I'm glad we got to a place because there was definitely times throughout the year where too much of the playing time was not being utilized to at least see what guys have, right? And I think we've gotten to a place over the last uh, maybe month plus or so where you're, mm-hmm. you're really seeing a lot of this time used to just give guys a shot, right? And see what they can do. And it's it's not as many older veterans or guys who, you know, just are not going to be a part of of any of the future plans. And I think for some of these guys, it's like, who knows what type of role they play. But 
you know, like, if you look at some of these games, like, some of these guys have, have like, in, in the game on Thursday, right, like, Michael Rucker has had some an up-and-down season. He's been asked to do a lot, right? He's been one of those guys that David Ross has asked to pitch multiple innings at times, single innings at times. He's got a 4.1 ERA on the season. So, like, is he a huge piece of your bullpen next year if you're completing for the playoffs? You know, probably not. But he came into the game today and, you know, is pitching in some big spots, right? And he has a clean inning, no hits, no walks, just a strikeout. He gets his fifth hold of the year. Like, even if he's just the guy who plays that, uh, as I mentioned a couple episodes ago, that Justin Grimm up and down from Iowa all the time kind of role, like, that's still a worthwhile exercise, right? Mm, You definitely found guys on this pitching staff who I think you're looking at, like, okay, like, this guy's a starter in our competitive rotation, maybe starting playoff games, things like that. This guy maybe is our closer or our bullpen weapon, whatever. So you've obviously used it productively for that. We see that, you know, Keegan Thompson in the game uh, on Thursday, the way they're using Alzali, Wisniewski, etc. But even guys like Rucker, Assad, Samson, um, Mark Leiter Jr., right? Like, just getting a look at these guys and seeing what they can do and seeing where they are able to have some successes, that can be valuable in the long run when you're just trying to build out depth through your major league team and even beyond to that that bigger roster that becomes necessary when guys get hurt yeah. or all that other stuff. Well, it's, it's about adding guys that are slightly better than replacement level to, to fill in a stop gaps for certain guys that may not be able to go every fifth day. Or if there's a nagging injury that requires a 10 to 15 day IL stint, then these guys can come up, including like Assad or, or Ladder Jr. And we've seen that and we've seen that those two particular guys, uh, they have in history, in their own history, good command. Assad pitches backwards, so he's unique in that regard. Goes with the cutter, the sinker, curveball. And then for Lighter, he's had great command. He's grading above average on the ability to hit the edges on most of his pitch types. So this is valuable. And it all goes to the hope of not relying on them, but it all, all goes to the hope of adding to this group. And when you look at the current number of starting pitchers on this Cubs team, that has qualified for innings this year, Corey. Zero. The list is zero. They're putting up these numbers, these starting pitching numbers, with zero qualified starting pitchers from an innings perspective. That is insane. That speaks to the volume of guys they have in this system and the work that the coaches and the minor league coaches and the infrastructure has put in to get this team translated value. That is an enormous accomplishment. You've used a lot of this time to help build... I think oh, yeah. a foundation for that's what it a, is a good and competitive team, and not just a good competitive team, but a competitive cycle, right? Right. I, whether you like to use the word competitive windows or not, it depends on you know what kind of language you feel like using. But you you want to build a competitive cycle, and like some of these guys may play a certain role one year, a bigger role the next year, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the fact that we've gotten to this point where you look at these box scores. I read the box score from uh, Thursday where it was Assad and Rucker and Keegan Thompson. I mean, even you look at Wednesday too, Wisniewski, Leiter Jr., Alzali, Hughes, Rodriguez. Like yeah. Tuesday, Stroman, Hughes, Rodriguez. <laughs> like These are all names that should be contributing next year. 
and for years beyond that right. too, they could be in, on on team control for the next four and to five years. And they may have Corey. just knocked the Phillies out of the playoffs. It's <laughs> crazy. these guys. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you. If we're talking about specific performances, I, and and we do have to get to our first ad break here in a second, but yeah. like in particular, the one that stood out for me. Obviously, we're so dialed in to Hayden Wisniewski. We're going to talk about him, Keegan Thompson, Albert Alzali, because those are just some of the the bigger names, I guess, at this point. But dude, watching Brandon Hughes pitch, I, some of the pitches he's throwing to like Bryce Harper and the way he's he's navigating these things, like he's a dude. Man, like I don't, I don't oh, know yeah. where he's oh, gonna yeah. fit in in the bullpen next year. But like, you combine what you're seeing from him, what you're seeing from someone like Manny Rodriguez, and then you add in the yeah. fact that the Cubs have shown this ability to go out and identify veterans or cheaper relievers, reclamation relievers, whatever, however you want to call it. Like they, they've got some really interesting stuff as they go forward here and try to decide how they want to build out that bullpen. Very interesting. Okay, quick break here from a sponsor, PointsBet. This football season, PointsBet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad is over, you can place a live same-game parlay, bet on the next drive to be a touchdown, and cash out on your live second-half over bet. With PointsBet, you have access to live more live football markets than ever before. Build the perfect live same-game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. Choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with PointsBet Lightning Bets. So whether you are on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get your first two bets risk-free up to $2,000. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Our next sponsor is GameTime. GameTime is the easiest app to use to get tickets to any sporting event. I was looking over the the past week and seeing all the the fans coming out to the CSGO Bears tailgate. And I was hearing from Cody, from Ryan, a lot of these guys were trying to get tickets to even like the Cubs game uh, that night. And they can use GameTime, which is really easy to use. You know that you're getting the best deal possible when you use this uh, particular app. And it's the hottest new ticking site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to, let's say, Cubs games, Bears games, the Blackhawks are coming up, the Bulls are coming up the next few months here, uh, to concerts that you may want to see or, or shows in general. So I've used this a few times. It's really simple to use. And if you want to get tickets last second, this is the app to do it, Corey. If you love CSGO, then you will love GameTime. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in this description and join over 15 million people who have downloaded the GameTime app and scored the best seats to all your favorite events. All right. So since we're talking pitching, I guess let's just stay there. Uh, What did you see from Hayden Wisniewski in this one? Albert Alzali, Keegan Thompson. Um, we talked about these guys a lot, so if there's you know nothing new or groundbreaking, that's okay. But I always like to give you an opportunity to put on the proverbial pitching lab coat here. Mm. So Wisniewski did have his best stuff. I think like anyone who was watching that game kind of saw that. Uh, the command was maybe a little bit shakier, but the big takeaway is he competed. Like he, like going against Bryce Harper, going against Reese Hoskins, and going against like Schwarber, and the ability to fight back on, let's say, some unfortunate base hits, which I forgot what Anita was, but there was a few like blue base hits that got him into damage, and he was able to escape ultimately a big inning 
that was not really induced by his lack of pitching. It was induced by just nonsense BS-based hits. He was able to get out of that. And then against the Phillies, it's always interesting to point out these pitch breakdowns by Wisniewski because he has so many pitch types. The Phillies are mostly a right-heavy team. They do have Schwarber. They do have uh, Harper. But the majority of their guys are, are righties. And he ended up using mostly sinkers and sliders, which is his righty mix when he has a heavy righty team. But he was still able to showcase the four seam and the cutter, specifically to Harper and to Schwarber. So this was probably the most equal pitch mix of the season for him. He threw 33% sliders, 33% sinkers, 15% four seams, 14% cutters, and then he ended up throwing four changeups in his 85 pitches, and he got 10 whiffs across all these pitch dice. And this is the dynamic repertoire that we're talking about. And I remember when I was on the on the show with Luke and Cody and Ryan last week, we were rating our, our guys, like our top starting pitching guys from, from this young group. And a, a lot of them had steel, which is totally fair given his consistency and his adaptation this year. But steel while he has been successful and he has adapted to unique fastballs, he doesn't have this pitch mix that Wisniewski has. So I rated Wisniewski as my, my top guy because he does have this dynamic pitch mix that also Stroman has, which is why I like Stroman so much. And you saw it on display against the Phillies. So this was really encouraging to see him use five different pitch types, four of which really frequent against one of the better hitting lineups in the league, Corey, and have success doing it as a late month September call-up going through these lineups for the first time in his career. This was really impressive by Wisniewski. I kind of liked, I was thinking about, um, you know, not that we're big football guys necessarily, but I was thinking about, uh, I think it was after their first win, the Dolphins' new coach, Mike McDaniel, who gets a Mm -hmm. lot of attention because he's... uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say nerdy, but he's more of an he's analytic guy, right? Like yeah, he's kind of like yeah. you know, he's your kind of guy, Brendan. Okay, let's 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 hold on. Okay, because <laughs> um, I'm notoriously not nerdy. Everybody knows no. that. Um, yeah, but I think it was after their first win, he said something like, "You know, I'm kind of hoping we face a little adversity this week because I mm. I want to see how we respond. It's early in the season, and we have the time to see how we respond to something like that. You know, um, right." And, you know, not that you don't want to win every game 40 to nothing if you're the Miami Dolphins, but you might face some adversity. So let's see how we do. That's kind of how I felt about Wisniewski last night, yeah, man. right? We've seen him dominate. We've seen him have his best stuff and, you know, strutting off the mound, striking out nine guys and all that other stuff. It It's good to see that, you know, he got in some jams, had to pitch with some guys on third base, had to pitch with runners on in less than two outs, had to pitch in big spots to dangerous hitters, right? I think it's good to see that. And obviously the results were still good. Uh, You know, his overall line, um, even if it's not as great as some of his other outings have been. But I think it's, yeah, that, that was the first thing I thought of was, hey, like this season doesn't mean anything. This is a good development time for him. And it's good to kind of put him in some spots where he's got to put out some fires. Let's see what you got, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about when you look at Wisniewski, you look at Steele, you look at Keen, all these young guys, right? It's it's hard maybe to effectively convince people like why uh, I'm ex- more excited about Wisniewski. I, and it's not as a way to to 
condemn like Steele or Thompson. It's a way to really amplify just how useful this pitch mix is. When you watch these games, Corey, and, and you see like the diverse pitch repertoire, doesn't that like give you like a sense of confidence? You know, like if he doesn't have feel for one pitch one day, or if the lineup changes because the manager is putting in lefties in the middle of the game, that he can get through this. And I think for me, that's really important to mitigate these peaks and value valleys that other Cubs teams have showed throughout the years. Absolutely, and that was one of the things he said. I think after his first outing, where he said, "I just need to, you know, trust my stuff and." pump strikes because that's the best way to stay at the major league level and stay in a rotation or whatever you're trying to do uh, is by understanding like my stuff is good even if it's not its best day my command isn't as fine as I want it to be or things aren't breaking exactly as I want stuff is still good and you still have that power fastball like you still have good stuff to rely on so challenge hitters and make them beat you and and trust that stuff so yeah absolutely I mean it's it's really difficult I know he was talking after the game uh after his start the other day like you know he's he's I think they were asked about he was asked about being in the rotation and he was like look I don't even know if I'm making the team like out of camp like I don't know like I I'm I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do and we'll we'll you know work hard and and obviously that's the goal but we got to see when we get there so I I love his attitude and but I think regardless of what his role is going to be or what's expected of him in 2023 like I you know is there a is there a way for this early period for a starting pitching prospect to go better? Sure, he could be throwing a no hitter every night, right? But realistically, with what we've seen on a relative basis, like this has just gone so freaking so, well for the Cubs. Yeah, I, I mean, what Scott Efros was great, but I, like this is this looks like a real move by by Jed Hoyer, and I get why the Yankees did it. They're going to be in the playoffs. They they need. Uh, to shore up that bullpen and stuff like that. But like you just watch Wisniewski, his attitude, his stuff, his repertoire. And, you know, Luke asked me on the postgame show on Wednesday night, you know, if he was my number one that I'm most excited about. And I said, yeah, of course. Like I'm indoctrinated by you. I get all these text messages. <laughs> it's impossible yeah, for me to not think that way because I'm getting a dissertation and my oh, iMessage yeah. at three in the morning about his love pitch break and all this other stuff. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I got to tell someone this. You know, you're the only one that will listen to me. Uh, but that was good. And then Albert Alzali, kind of the same type of uh, adversity that you're mentioning there, Corey. You want to see like Adber face different lineups and use different pitch mixes. And my expectation when he came up was just to stay healthy through September. I did not expect him to use these different types of pitch types. So cutter, slider, four-seam, and sinker is what he threw in 14 pitches on Wednesday. And he threw four sliders, four sinkers, uh, sorry, three sinkers, four cutters, and three fastballs. So all equally used, but it's that cutter that he's using more. And he's using two different slider variations. So he has a more slurvy slider, a harder slider, and then a baby slider, if you want to call it like the cutter. Um, That's three pitches that break one direction, Corey. And he's using those pitches more than he ever has when he was healthy. So I'm surprised to see Adler continuing to do this. And I'm encouraged because that cutter, he used those pitches against lefties. And he had so many problems last year when he was doing well even against left-handed batters. All but one of his home runs given up were to left-handed batters. In that cutter, we've heard from Moscow saying that pitch will be important for Adler to get past those platoon splits, having a 
another breaking pitch, either be it a curve or this slider variation has more depth on that pitch, we're seeing that as well. So we're not only seeing Adbert showcase the ability to be healthy, to throw fast, which is what he's doing, but also he's trying new pitch types. This is really encouraging as well. And in the same vein, when you're talking about starting pitching candidates or talking about guys and go multiple innings, if Adbert gets through the next week, which he probably will, I kind of have some confidence that going into 2023, he'll at least get the first shot at this multiple inning guy out of the bullpen and it's another layer of depth for this team works for me yeah I mean you just see a lot of teams that have weapons like that and how they've used certain guys like that and I would love for that to be Edward absolutely yeah so I mean overall like you see that the Phillies get swept by the Cubs you see the starting pitching showcase new pitch types some adversity from Wisniewski and Stroman continuing to look good I think things are pointing up like I I feel so confident about this depth i don't feel confident in like the pitching as a finished product yet Uh, i do want to see those free agents signed but i keep going back to the point that if the cubs have some adversity and injuries or some guys kind of regress a little bit next year i'm just always going back to the foundation of they have a dozen guys that can get innings with a, a decent possibility of being successful it's it's really good to see when i'm kind of thinking too like obviously you needed to trade them to give some of these guys the opportunity but like you look at the way this yeah. bull you know the bullpen has been up and down because you're trying so many of these guys but like you look at the way it kind of worked in this philly series and the particular guys that were utilized the stuff we've seen from um rodriguez uh brandon hughes alzali thompson etc coming out of the bullpen like okay let's go like like now you mix in a guy like the way david robertson was performing right a guy like scott efros the way he was performing you go out and sign another one two you know top of the line starting pitcher maybe another you know middle back end of the rotation starting pitcher for a little added depth like i you know okay like i'm liking the shape of that right and maybe some of these guys will get traded too. Like we're not talking about that, not in the same uh, type of high value return that you saw from like Scott Efros, but you do have guys that are under team control. They're having success. Brandon Hughes is one of them that may be used in part of a, a, a trade package of guys to bring back high value uh, pitchers. Like you can think of like Otani, for example, if the Angels want to get back immediate value, both from like the bullpen and you know the rotation, if they want to go deeper as well. So there's value just for the team is in general on the actual cover upside, but also in trade possibilities this offseason. Right. Uh, You know, before we hit our second ad break here, I do, I I probably should have just mentioned this when we were talking about Hayward and the 2016 World Series that the Cubs won. Um, Yes, Cubs, yeah. Pedro Stroke and Miguel Montero at the game on Wednesday night. Electric vibes. I don't have much to add to that, but just, I love seeing those guys at Wrigley Field uh, I think they put him on the video board. Um, just love seeing those guys. Yeah. And if you want to go to the remaining Cubs games, let's say you're on the road and you want to see these guys finish off their season, you can get tickets through the Game Time app. If you ever dreamed of getting a seat, maybe this is like a really good seat on you know the dugout or near home plate, maybe this is the time to do it. If you want to go to the Bears game on Sunday and you want to get good tickets at the 50-yard line, this might be the time to do it as well. And the best chance to get these seats is through Game Time. You will not find a better deal this season or perhaps 
right now during this part of the baseball season. And this app, you know, you're going to get the best deal because it's created by fans for the fans and it guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. This is the best way to support us as well. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, Brendan, let's talk a little bit about the offense. We can yes. it's, it's nice to see Seiya Suzuki back out there. Yep. Um, of course, uh, you know, he had a, a baby, so that's cool for him. Congrats. Uh, in the lineup on Thursday, two for three, he scores two runs. Uh, also, some nice plays in the field. Had that one moment in the game on Thursday. Kind of felt like uh, the Phillies were going to break through there, but say it with a nice play. He looks more comfortable out there too, by the I way. I think so. I sense yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Which I think is fair, right? Like right field at Wrigley Field is not an easy it's place tough. to play. The and, well, the sunlight, everything, the right. wind. So yeah, hopefully as he gets more comfortable, uh, he starts to to look a little better out there and just rate a little better. Because I think some of those ratings have yeah. not been as kind as you would have expected to him uh, to be toward him. And I think right. he's a better fielder than that. So I think with time, he should be uh, perfectly fine out there. And, you know, again, like we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, I think, uh, but Ian Happ just continues making plays out there. And I got to tell you, Brendan, like at the time when we talked about this, I, I think David Ross said something about him being in consideration for the gold glove. And I certainly, I won't rope you into this because I don't remember. You probably did. But I will only <laughs> eat the crow myself. I scoffed at that. I was like, okay, oh, sure, so David. I, like, you look at the numbers, like the defensive run saved and stuff. Like, I, maybe he could be in that conversation. Like the, the, the sliding play he made today in left field going into the wall, like that is a really nice play. And for a guy who has always rated negatively on defense, I think he's at like plus 12 defensive run saved yeah. right now after being maybe yeah. like negative two or negative three last year like all the credit in the world to Ian Happ man because that was one of those areas that you and I talked about a lot we wanted to see him kind of make some improvements there and there you go I mean he's made the improvements I mean massive well you see his outs above average is in the 80th percentile Corey I mean last season uh, in 2021, we we knew there were issues. He was in the sixth percentile. So the jump from the sixth percentile all the way up to the 80th is a huge, a huge boost. And it does point to the work ethic that he's put in as well. And this combined with the office imp- improvements and the ability to make more contact this year, you got to give the guy a ton of credit. He's exceeding my expectations. I also scoffed at David Ross saying, go glove. I didn't realize how good the numbers were, Corey. Like I've been so conditioned to expect that Hap's defense was like mediocre at best, but below league average that I I had this kind of escaped me uh, to see how well he's been doing from an actual statistical perspective. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you and I need to be careful when we scoff, I guess, is the the lesson, but rarely. You and I are usually correct, but... Yeah, every single maybe, time besides this yeah, maybe yeah. a little wrong yeah, yeah. i don't know at the time i was like it sounds like a manager hyping up his player and then like you look at the numbers <laughs> you're like well i i maybe i don't know sense. you know i don't know if he's gonna win the gold glove or you know how that all even works usually those that seems like kind of a sham right the way that they give that out but yeah. uh He's definitely vastly improved, which I also think is a big deal as you think about how the Cubs trying to figure out 
exactly how they're laying out their outfield and their offense as, as we go forward here. Um, you know, obviously Ian's not a free agent until 2024, but the Cubs, you know, will obviously have to decide tendering a contract, going to arbitration or avoiding arbitration, whatever they decide to do there. Um, the fact that he is much improved on the defensive side from where he once was, and you look at, you know, his his numbers are still pretty solid for the year on offense. 270, 339 OBP, 443 slug, 339 weighted on base average, and a 119 WRC plus. That's after a one for four on Thursday. Like, it's a solid player. He's about a three, he's almost a three and a half win player right now. Like, that's quite solid, especially I mean, for the if, fact that he's, you know, going to be making arbitration money unless the Cubs yeah. decide to, you know, look at a, a different contract or whatever they decide to do here. I mean, if he continues to do this through next season, then a, a contract extension makes sense, right? I think from my perspective, I, I want to see a larger sample even than this, uh, both from a defensive perspective and from like an offense per, uh, perspective. But if the ability for Hap to play above average level defense and make this amount of contact and have more power, which we've seen in the second half, then yeah, you can make a convincing argument that he deserves a contract extension and it's in the best interest of the Cubs. It's just over the years, we've seen that defense be pretty weak and he had to hit to a really high standard to outweigh that defensive deficiency. But if that's not part of the equation anymore, then if the money makes sense, then I think it it might make sense for the Cubs to extend them. I think I just want to see more from an offensive point of view to to really commit to like you know four plus years to do that. Yeah, certainly one of the uh, at least potential decisions they'll have to make. Uh, in this off season, or they can punt it to the following off season if they. Just... Well, I think I, I mean I don't know how you feel about it now because we'll you know think our, our minds will change when the off season progresses. But I my inkling is I don't want to do it yet. Like I want to see him go through next season, and you may risk him going to free agency. But uh, I, I don't know. I feel as if Hap likes the Cubs so much and the city and the organization that even if we do risk him going to free agency and he does well next season, that there is still a good chance he comes back. But I, I want to be a little cautious given the outfield potential over the next few years. I want to be a little bit cautious and make sure that Hap's defense and contact and power is sustainable through you know a decent part of next season before you commit that type of money with all the options available. Yeah, I think that's that is definitely fair. Um, obviously, you know, this wasn't exactly when he returned, but I assume you're pleased to see Nico Horner back out there. Not his best offensive series, but just good that he's healthy. Well, he's healthy. He's playing defense. He had to base it up the middle. That was pretty nice to see. Numbers still look good, and he's out there playing baseball. So I think that's, to me, the most important aspect of this. He feels comfortable. He's healthy. He's He wants to play and get those innings to finish off the season. That's what you want to see. So overall, it's great, great to see him back out there. Right. Um, one thing that I did want to check in on, because we did talk about it uh, a good bit, is that uh, Franmil Reyes's numbers have tanked a bit. Um, you know, he's now down around in the 80s, uh, if you're looking at WRC+, Plus in his time with the Cubs. So... I, I think, you know, for a little while, right, it looked like he might have played his way into at least some of the discussion, like, do you keep him around to be a DH, like that type of thing. 
as his numbers trend downward toward what they were in Cleveland. Now, his strikeout rate is not nearly as high, but the power just isn't there, Brendan. And that's, of course, what you're looking for him to provide. Um, Why that is, I'm not particularly sure. Um, But I yeah, there's definitely, you know, you're casting a lot more doubt on whether he's going to be in that conversation. Well, he has to go through arbitration again. You know, his base is $4.5 million, so you can't go b- below that. So the expectation is if you want to bring back Framil next year, you have to spend $4.6 million to do that. I, he's still under team control for one more year after that. It's $4.5 million. They have so much flexibility on this payroll that yes, the decline in September might be worrisome, but there's still so much potential there that I'm willing to spend $4.6 million and see if we can continue to improve his power and get back to that point. He's going to the opposite field way more often this year, and that continued with the Cubs. So I want to see the familiarity with uh, him and the coaching staff and the hitting side, which he has familiarity with in his past experience. I want to see that go through an offseason uh, where he can make maybe more changes. And I like I'm disappointed to see him do this poorly recently, uh, but we know the power potential is there, and we know that for a decent part of the season with the Cubs, we saw what he could do. So for 4.6 million, this team needs pop. Uh, outside of dramatic changes to this positional core, I think 4.6 million, despite these struggles, is still probably worth it. I, I remember reading uh, over at Bleacher Nation, and I don't think I, I don't remember. I don't think it was the you know, complete suggestion that this was why, but it was just, I think, Brett maybe thinking aloud um, as maybe a potential thing. Like, you know, we have seen a lot go on with the baseball itself, right? And I think he was just wondering if maybe some of the reason that the power seems to be not there in as as much uh, quantity as it has been for Fran Mill in some of these past years is that maybe it's the baseball. Um, Maybe. I don't know. Who knows, right? We, none yeah. of us know anything about the baseball because it's all over the place, right? Um, but I, you know, something I guess we're thinking about. I mean, what the conclusion of that is, I don't know. Because at this point, do we think that the baseball is going to be the same or different next year? We, we have no idea. It's changing every single season. Right. You know? But it is, it is, it is something that I, I think... I just bring that up because it's something I often forget when I'm thinking about a lot of this stuff um, that... Over the last few years, there's obviously been so much discussion about that, and that stuff is going to affect certain guys differently, right? When you think about when the ball was juiced and it was jumping out on stuff that looked like pop-ups on your TV, you know, not great for Kyle Hendricks, right? A guy that's pitching to contact in a lot of times, like, and and deliberately trying to get bad swings that uh, in that particular year were turning into home runs somehow, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's the case with Fran Mill, but uh, just something I guess to consider. I re- and really I bring that up because like you know the strikeout number in Cleveland was around thirty seven percent. It's around thirty percent for the Cubs, so he has cut that down pretty significantly. But the power just isn't there in the way that you need it to be for the type of player that he is. No, I mean, in the month of September, he only has one extra base hit, and it's a double, right? And the, the strikeout rate is back to 35%. The whiff rate is down to 60 or uh, 38%. So it's not good, right? It's just a matter of what the offseason plans are. And if ultimately they want to have more 
flexibility on the roster for DH purposes and positional purposes, then I can see them not wanting to bring back Fran Mill. But if there's a need for more pop, if there's a need for someone who can hit lefties um, in a certain particular matchup, then four and a half million seems like a pretty obvious logical contract uh, for someone like Framil. It just remains to be seen what they do this offseason before you can say indefinitely, yes, bring back Framil. Um And maybe this does change the offseason plans for the Cubs, but even if he were to continue his, his hot stretch, uh, I think there is a sense of uncertainty that Jed would have felt that may have still precluded to give Fran Mill a significant role for this team next season if the goal is to go out and win the division, which which it should. So we'll never know, but I still think it's worth giving Fran Mill a shot, not knowing what the plans are. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, some other thoughts if they're looking for power. I know a certain guy in the minors that uh, yeah. just did not stop hitting home runs. So maybe something to consider yeah, you know, as well. He's there as well. In Alexander yeah. Yeah, you know, and uh, another guy too, Matt Mervin, right. hitting a lot of home runs, you know, both of them. They, so, they and, do have a lot of decisions to make on who they're going to commit roster space to and how they're going to do it. I We've talked in the last few off seasons because I remember at this point, I don't remember when he said it, but Jed Hoyer has talked about, you know, not always getting prospects in trades with the intention of them playing for you, but also sometimes to have that depth that maybe you use in a trade. I haven't really seen him do that. And I've, from the minute he said it, I was like, okay, well, when is this going to happen? Because he's talking about it. So, you know, this offseason certainly seems like a time if you wanted to sell high on some guys, you have the opportunity to do so. So you, are you implying to trade Canario or Mervis? I'm I'm not. I don't ha- look. I don't know how much money they <laughs> they have to spend. I don't know how this is all yeah. going to play out. So I don't want to get boxed into certain things. But I'm just saying he's talked about it before. You're looking to kind of turn this team, kind of start veering towards competitive and making the playoffs again and all that stuff. Hopefully, that's a way to do it. Right. You know, we've talked about how so much of the offensive talent in particular is at certain positions in this free agent class. Well, if you need to address other positions, that's one way to do it. Right. And, you know, at some point you're going to have to decide, like, you can't play all of these prospects. Right. They're not all going to come up at the exact same time. But even just looking at where all of them play. Right. You've got a ton of outfield prospects. You've got a lot of middle infield prospects, et cetera. Like, you have to kind of decide like who's in your vision do do? for the next great Cubs team or who do you really view like being that, uh, you know, next core of guys because it can't be 15 of them, right? doesn't yeah. work that way. Well, I'm most, if we're going to talk about like unequivocal disappointment, I think Nelson Velasquez this season has been, has been that. So in almost 200 plate appearances, he has a 272 weighted on base average. He's been worth negative 0.3 wins above replacement he's striking out a lot not walking that much not hitting for batting average the power's down i he had such a great afl last season and he did so well throughout the uh the minors i'm like i'm pretty disappointed to, to see him do this and the disappointment is not just for the cubs on the team level but also as to your point as like trade 
uh, value as well. So yeah. that that if we're going to talk about tra- like trade value and, and disappointments on the current team, I think Velasquez has been uh, unfortunately a big. I think I think that's fair, right? You know, he, he's in that tough spot where it's it's you know um, he's got inconsistent playing time, right? And it's it's tough to prove it. But as we talked about yeah. with other guys you do have to figure out a way to prove it in the time that you get right so I you know I feel I I don't know if I feel like he got uh as as fair of a look as other guys or as maybe you'd really want him to get but sometimes that opportunity isn't there um and you have to kind of prove it in the opportunity you're given however uh easy or difficult to spot that may be and it goes to show you the volatility of these guys right like uh you may have guys who go off in the afl who go off in double a go off in triple a and they come up and they're they're outmatched we've seen that with like zach mckenstry we've seen that with uh you know so many guys in years past like frank schwindel is an example of doing well in triple a comes up has some success but can't sustain it and that might be applied to the thinking with Matt Mervis and Canario, and perhaps Jed does not want to risk that. Yeah. He, he wants certainty, and the way to mitigate that type of uh, that instability is to maybe accept a lower ceiling, but you raise your floor. And the way to do that is you trade these guys right. away and try to bolster your team free. Well, and I mean, Brendan, the one thing I am certain of is that Shohei Otani and Carlos Correa. And Xander Bogarts and Trey Turner. Trey Turner. I am certain that they're good players. So Aaron Judge, perhaps. You know, I hey, never talk about Judge. Hey, look, you know, yeah. I, that just, one, you know, I I don't know. I feel like I just do I mean, just I don't, don't I don't know. Do I see the Yankees letting him go? I I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really either. But you never know. I, look, I, as I've said, if you want to, I. I tweeted this, but Pat Hughes will have to go shopping. I don't know how long. <laughs> I don't know if they make like industrial tape measures that stretch, you know, over 500 feet. But if Judge shows up at Wrigley, Pat's going to need a bigger tape measure. I'm I'm, I'm here for it, obviously. But hefty, hefty, hefty does not begin to describe the home runs you I need, envision him hitting at Wrigley you need Field. Six more hefties to describe. That. Right. It's, it's like to, I don't know the biggest. Yeah. If if hefty trash bags has a like a, a <laughs> nuclear brand, uh, just the a dumpster size well, hefty hefty is what is what we need for. Well, you just gave hefty a, a new brand idea. I so mean, like one of those windy days, it's blowing out at Wrigley Field. I mean, See, he's yeah. going Glen Allen Hill territory, like I mean, every he other hit the day. The ball over the scoreboard. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh boy, we're talking ourselves into some uh, some stuff. Otani, Judge, Bogars, be... bring them all. Is Jason Hayward the new owner of the Cubs yet? Is he spending money? <laughs> Somebody tell me what's going on here. Uh, Jason Hayward, the savior for this franchise, right. Corey. Uh, okay, so let's preview this upcoming series against the Cincinnati Reds, Corey. So we have the Reds uh, on Friday afternoon start time, your traditional 1.20 p.m. start time, the last Friday 1.20 p.m. start time of the season. Ashcraft will be pitching for the Reds that day. He's 5-4, a 4.18 ERA. We have Adrian Sampson, who has a 3-5 record, a 3.23 ERA, hoping to continue that quantity of quality starts that we've seen from Sampson recently. And then on Saturday, the Cubs have not announced a starting pitcher. Uh, maybe we'll hear more about Justin Steele 
deal. It sounds as if they're going to shut him down, but that's not like 100% certain yet. Uh, but maybe that spot open is for uh, Steele coming back for one more outing. We'll see. Uh, Lodolo is pitching for the Reds that day. He's 4-7 and seven with a 3.75 ERA, 1.20 p.m. start time. Again, if I didn't say that. And then on Sunday, uh, the last game... Against the Reds, that game starts at 1.20 p.m. Again, Marcus Stroman will pitch for the Cubs. He's 5-7, 3.66ERA, looking to continue his recent success. And he'll be facing Anderson for Cincinnati, who is 2-3, with a 4.7ERA. And then just to finish this up, that's the last homestand um, for the Cubs. So they'll go to Cincinnati after this, which is weird to end the season like this. You have Cincinnati coming to Wrigley, and then the Cubs go to Cincinnati to finish off the season. But that's the way the season will end. And maybe, you know what, win every game. Uh, I think that's possible. Let's go on like a seven, what is it, seven games they have left, whatever it is, and finish with a uh, 77 win record, Corey. Yeah, I look, I, I think really what we're looking for here as we get down to the final few series of the season is just for everybody to finish strong. Um, I think at this point, you know, you're talking about, what is it, six more games? Like Yeah, six more games, not seven. You don't yeah. have the too much of an opportunity for anybody to really like... I, I, I think the Cubs know what they have in a lot of these guys. They've seen a lot from most of these guys. It's basically over. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think even a, a heater for some of these guys on offense in the last six games. You know, I think the Cubs, I think Jed Hoyer and his group, they kind of have an idea of what they have, what these guys can do, the roles they might play, et cetera. So it, to me, it's just, you know, finish healthy and finish strong. They're, they're winning games. They're pitching really well. And I think we, you know, we go back to like that Nico Horner quote about showing what this team can do and showing the position that they're in as they get ready to maybe pitch to some free agents and and try to build a new culture of winning here um, after a, a couple of losing seasons. And you just want to continue that as you finish here. Finish the year strong. Finish on a good note. You have everybody in the organization feeling like you're kind of on the come up and, and building up to something. And, you know, then of course it's on ownership in the front office to execute whatever their plan is in this off season. And, uh, we'll see what that is, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's nice to finish on a high note, right? There were times during this season where this team was losing 10 games at a time, right? And that's just, you know, that's not how you want to finish a season. Even if we were able to look at individual performances and be pleased with guys or excited about guys, that's still a sour note just around the team and the organization, just constant losing. And I think um, this version is better. When we're sitting here talking about where they're ranking in the top five of starting rotation ERA in the second half and sweeping teams that are trying to make the playoffs and their record against, you know, good teams in the NL East division and stuff like that, like that's, I think, the conversation you want to be having. It feels more the conversation you want to be having when you're on the cusp of something, right? Which I hope is what we are, Brendan. So yeah, I mean, for the first time, it feels like, you know, the, the super dark days are behind us. That's, that's what we are all deciding to believe. Famous Brendan, last words. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, but I mean, to end the season like this, uh, above 500 in the second yeah. half, it feels like for the first time in a year and a half, I feel optimistic, Corey. That's where I'm at with this. Oh, boy. It's dangerous, Prayers though. I don't, know, I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I know Cody's in the same boat. Um I know a lot of you are hope maybe in the same boat. Maybe some of you are more pessimistic. I don't know. 
I don't know. It's just what I believe, but I'm an idiot, and so uh, I'm prepared to get my heart broken. I I just hope that some of these quotes aren't useful, like at the next trade deadline, like you saying (laughs) two two (laughs) minutes ago, the dark days are over. Like, all right, we'll see. I swear, I'm not even going to say it. We're not going. Dark we don't have just, to. We yeah. we all know okay. where you're. What you're thinking. I, yeah, I almost did. I almost did. Yeah. Um, all right. So that is what we have for you. Uh, hope you enjoy your weekend. Hope you enjoy the last weekend of the season at beautiful historic Wrigley Field. As always, we appreciate you supporting CHGO and everything going on there using code CHGO when you sign up at PointsBet to help support us. And of course, listening to, downloading, supporting, watching, however you are consuming the CHGO Cubs podcast, we appreciate it. Uh, That is all we have for you. Brendan and I will talk to you again after the Cubs finish up this series this weekend on Sunday. And as always, go Cubs.